It's 6 p.m. and this is KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. I'm Claudio Mendonça. COVID-19 is currently killing nine people every day in Los Angeles County, and the number of positive hospital patients is steadily climbing. The California report shares what may be in store for the most populous county in the United States if that trend continues, before covering how new tax breaks aim to bolster California's wilting cannabis industry. The California News Service gets the reactions of Mono County residents after a state appellate court reversed a judge's previous ruling that limited the draining of Owens Valley. After regional news and weather, Felton Pruitt talks World Fest with Amber Joe Manuel. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. The number of COVID-positive hospital patients continues to climb in L.A. County. As KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports, the county could be headed for another public mask mandate. Almost 990 COVID-positive patients are hospitalized in L.A. County right now. If that continues to rise, the community risk level could hit the CDC's high threshold as soon as next week. And if L.A. County stays in the high-risk category for two weeks, a public indoor mask mandate will be reinstated. Here's County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer. There are many people, particularly in essential work environments, where they would benefit if more people around them were actually using some of the safety precautions that we know work. And that's the case with masking. L.A. County has been in the medium community risk level since mid-May. Ferrer said hospitals, emergency rooms, and urgent care centers are reporting more COVID-related illnesses. About nine people die each day in L.A. County from the virus. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Monkeypox cases have doubled in California in the last week, and more than a third of those cases are in San Francisco, where vaccine supply isn't keeping up. According to the San Francisco AIDS Foundation, at least 400 people are on the waiting list for the vaccine, but they only received enough shots for 30 people. San Francisco public health officials say they've just received over 2,000 new vaccine doses this week, and they expect that supply to increase. Calls for more monkeypox vaccines have come in the wake of recent Pride events, which help spread the virus. Monkeypox spreads through skin contact and can cause flu-like symptoms and blister-like sores. California's cannabis industry is still struggling to find its footing since the state legalized pot more than five years ago. New tax breaks from the state aim to help stabilize the market, but plenty of people in the industry are still not convinced the shifts will make enough of a dent. We wanted to know what this means for all involved, so we called up David Downs. He's a senior editor at Leafly covering cannabis policy and legalization. He started by explaining to me what the market looks like right now. If prohibition was a golden era for producers, new freer market forces are making uh, legalization a golden era for consumers. Um, the retail world is still bottlenecked and the illicit markets operating with impunity, undercutting those that are playing by the rules. So, I mean, and the question is like, who's going to survive medium to long term? Uh, it looks like it's going to be bigger, uh, lower margin, whale healed businesses and all but the best medium and small growers um, might go broke. I had talked to one guy whose friend was a grower who's exiting the market right now. He's going back to his family business. They make steel. Uh, uh, California's got plenty of marijuana. What we're missing is steel right now. And so we're having some market exits. 
interesting, interesting. Um, what your answer uh, brings me to one of my other questions, um, and that's looking at the equity and you know what's the problem there, which you mentioned a little bit, but maybe you can elaborate more and what needs to be done to fix it. Yeah, California led the way in trying to put people uh, who were victimized by the war on drugs first for licenses. But those individuals ran into the same problems that small businesses are going to face as a whole in California, which is really suffocating red tape and really, really high taxes. And the, the AB 195, this new um, bill that passed, um, throws uh, some relief to equity businesses, but they're saying it's not enough. They're gonna, equity businesses are going to get a $10,000 tax credit. They're going to get a 20% excise tax rebate. And um, there'll be more efforts like that coming. But they're saying that's still not enough because one of the real friction points is the local cannabis business taxes, which can run zero to 15% of your gross receipts. For every dollar that comes in, you could be giving a dime to the city of LA. Those gross receipts tax are divorced from reality. Um, 10% might be your margin as a small business. And so, for example, in LA, that 10% business tax is 2,808 times higher than the business tax on a check cashing place. In Oakland, the top business tax rate for pot is 417 times higher than the business tax rate on gun shops. Equity businesses are being hammered the hardest because they're small, they need higher margins, and they can't afford, can't afford it. And so what needs to be done to fix this? I mean, um, the industry wants to see lower taxes and less regulations that'll help end the retail bo bottleneck. So um, AB 195 includes $20 million to get cities and counties off their butts licensing local stores. Only 32% of California cities and counties even allow retail sales. And where they do allow it, it can take years and millions of dollars to even open the front door of your store. And that's because of things like zoning, planning, CEQA, and permitting. And these are bigger problems in California. That's the reason why we're missing housing and why we're missing transit. Um, so they want to overall see the, that environment change because, for example, LA, the biggest cannabis market in the world legally, never licensed new stores since 2016. LA has five stores per 100,000 people. That's in contrast to Oklahoma, which has medical, has 49 stores per 100,000 people. So Oklahoma has 10x the access of Los Angeles at this point, and it's a real object lesson in how um, heavy state governments can squelch the will of the voters. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, David. I appreciate your time again. Thanks, Maddie. David Downs is a senior editor at Leafly, where he covers cannabis policy and legalization. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford HealthCare. Alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area, now is the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org Hint! Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from DrinkHint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. And that's the California Report for Friday, July 8th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. 
Our engineers are Katie McMurrin, Danny Bringer, and C.L. Moeller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Keith Mizuguchi, and Daphne Young. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Toven Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. The Los Angeles Aqueduct delivers water from the Owens Valley in the eastern Sierra Nevada mountains to Los Angeles and has been a source of controversy from day one. Most recently, according to the Record Courier, a newspaper published in Gardnerville, Nevada, a legal battle between the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power and Mono County over the last remaining acre feet that's used to irrigate Long Valley was the subject of a June 30th ruling by the First District Court of Appeals for the state of California. Up next, Suzanne Potter of the California News Service shares how local groups are reeling after that court's ruling. The future of tourism, wildlife, and ranching in Mono County are now at the mercy of the L.A. Department of Water and Power, according to environmental groups, now that a court has upheld the agency's authority to cut irrigation water. For about a 100 years, the agency has leased its land and provided water for ranchers to graze cattle in Long Valley and Little Round Valley. But Wendy Schneider, with the nonprofit Friends of the Inyo, says the damage from allowing less water to irrigate these valleys would be widespread. We are talking about taking away the scenic value and the recreational value of a large portion of the county. Also, this area is really important for the survival of the bi-state sage-grouse population. Schneider also worries about the survival of trout and the potential for increased dust storms and fire danger. The DWP did not immediately respond to a request for comment, but has argued in court that it has the right to modify its leases and that the historic drought has forced its hand since its primary mission is to serve millions of families in the Southland. The current watering season will continue through September. The DWP hasn't said how much it plans to cut water deliveries to the Alpine Meadows near Mammoth Lakes. Stacy Simon, legal counsel for Mono County, says the court did provide a backstop to prevent the city from cutting off the water entirely. The court is saying, look, we can't direct this public agency as to how to exercise its discretion, but we do say that if it goes so far as to dry out these lands completely, that's a new project. Environmental review is required. The DWP first notified leaseholders about its intention to cut back on water in 2018. A trial court initially sided with Mono County and the Sierra Club, but the appeals court partially reversed that decision on Thursday. According to Simon, if the agency turns off the flow altogether, stakeholders would consider litigation under the California Environmental Quality Act. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. Around 1 p.m. this afternoon, a fire ignited in the Loma Rica area of Yuba County. The fire caused several road closures and prompted Cal Fire and the Yuba County Sheriff's Office to issue several evacuation orders in that area. Per Yubanet.com, by 5 p.m. this afternoon, all but a small section of one of those orders had been lifted. Power lines in the area that were de-energized for firefighter safety are expected to be re-energized sometime after 8 p.m. this evening. Locally, 
the Rice's Fire, the fire that ignited on June 28th and burned 904 acres near Bridgeport in Nevada County, is 98% contained, according to CAL FIRE. Turning next to regional weather and air quality, here in Grass Valley and Nevada City, a warming trend continues through Monday. Tonight, mostly clear with a low around 59. Saturday will be sunny with a high near 86. Saturday night will be clear, cooling to around 60 degrees. On Sunday, expect sunny skies with a high near 92. The air quality forecast for Grass Valley and Nevada City looks good this weekend, with values in the low 40s. Moving to the Truckee and Lake Tahoe area, the area may experience some haze from nearby wildfires, but the weekend forecast calls for cool and pleasant temperatures. Tonight, Truckee and the Lake Tahoe area will be mostly clear with a low around 44. Saturday will be sunny with a high near 74. Saturday night will be clear with a low around 45, and Sunday will be sunny with a high near 83. The air quality forecast for the Truckee and Lake Tahoe area is mixed this weekend. On Saturday, the AQI will be moderate at 64 before dropping back down to good on Sunday with a value of 43. And for our listeners in the Valley, Sacramento and Woodland, tonight mostly clear skies with a low around 61. On Saturday, a high near 92 and sunny. Saturday night will be clear with a low around 60. Sunday will be sunny and hot with a high near 100. The air quality index for the valley this weekend is also mixed. Saturday, moderate with a value of 70. Sunday, back down to good with a value of 30. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. WorldFest is back, this year bringing headliners Old Crow Medicine Show to the Nevada County Fairgrounds. Felton Pruitt spoke with the executive director of the Center for the Arts, Amber Jo Manuel, to get the details. We're talking with Amber Jo Manuel. She is the executive director of the Center for the Arts who are putting on WorldFest at the Nevada County Fairgrounds in Grass Valley coming up this next Thursday through Sunday, July 14th through the 17th. How many years has WorldFest been going on, Amber Jo? 25 years. In fact, this year is our 25th anniversary. What's the most important thing you want our audience to know about WorldFest this year? I think the most important thing about WorldFest this year is that we have brought some of the most amazing artists from around the world to Nevada County. And if that name isn't familiar to you, Red Bharat, which are, you know, from India or Vox Zembo from Haiti, you don't want to miss it. You want to come out and explore and discover some of these incredible artists because we really brought the best of the best. Imagine that you had three years to book a festival <laughs> instead of just one, which is kind of what we had. Some of these artists were originally booked in 2020, um, and then some of them uh, came on more recently. But it's, it's like we've been working on this festival for three years. It'll be like the best one ever. It's going to be incredible. So it's getting started Thursday, July 14th, running through Sunday the 17th. 
And I was looking at, at the lineup, and there is one band in there that touches me very closely, and that's Old Crow Medicine Show headlining on Friday night. Yeah, I'm excited about them. You know, of course, I know everyone knows Wagon Wheel and some of their stuff that's more popular, but I love their new album and some of the stuff they've come out with. And I love their message. Like, they do a wonderful blend, I think, of crossing many different audiences. And that's what I kind of feel like World Fest is. World Fest brings together so many different audiences from so many different backgrounds. Old Crow can speak to lots of people at one time. They're also old-timey and bluegrassy and, and so much more. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I love all the styles that they combine, and I think it'll be really fun. So World Fest getting underway on Thursday the 14th. What kind of COVID requirements are there as far as getting in initially? We don't have COVID requirements to get into the festival this year, um, but we have limited activity to be outdoor stages. So you will still be able to go into the welcome stage and the discovery stage and cool off if you need some AC. We did not book bands in those venues. We're trying to keep people outside. There's, of course, a lot more places to eat outside. And so we're trying to keep a safe environment for everybody. Talk to people about the global stage for a second. So the global stage is a coming together of our local Nissan on Rancheria and then two women um, from Maidu that have been booking that stage for a long time. And this year, we're even more excited about the Global Indigenous Stage because we received some grant money from the National Endowment for the Arts. And so they were able to bring more global artists to the village this year. So they have dancers that will be on the ground around the stage, artwork, vendors, some of their own food vendors. And then they'll also have the artists that are performing on the stage, which I believe you and Paul will be doing sound for. Um, so I'm excited because they have brought some different folks that we haven't seen before, and I think it's going to be great. What other stages are there besides the main one? There is the Sierra stage, and I think our friend Rich Mead runs sound over there. And then there's the Ponderosa stage. And so those stages go all day long, you know, with some of our uh, great acts like Banana Slug and Izzy Twinsky will be out there and Honey of the Heart will be out there. And so they will be going during the day. And then at about five o'clock, the action on those stages stops. And then we point our focus to the stage that is located on the green grass, like right as you come in the fairgrounds. And there are two stages, the spotlight and the meadow stage. And then that's where the activity gets hot, is on that stage for the evening. We're talking with Amber Joe Manuel from the Center for the Arts, putting on World Fest this year. What act are you really looking forward to, Amber Joe? One of my absolute favorites, which I had booked in 2020 <laughs> after seeing them play in New York, is Vox Mbu. And they are Haitian and they come, they live in Canada. So they'll be coming to us from Canada. They are so awesome. I mean, go on the website and check out the video of them. They're like 10 players. It's huge. It's an incredible band of music that's like jazzy and Haitian all at the same time. And they're so high energy. And when I saw them, I fell in love with them and really wanted to book them. And so I was able to bring them here with help from the Mid-Atlantic Arts Foundation, who helped pay to bring that band here with us. So I'm really looking forward to see them. Another one, if I could say two, that I'm really <laughs> excited about is Red Barat, which I saw Red Barat at the Brooklyn Bowl. And it was such a fun evening. 
they play like a lot of traditional Indian instruments and then they have like Bollywood videos in the background and they're just going wild kind of choreographed to the Bollywood videos. It's pretty cool. Like Red Barat is something so unique, like you're not going to see it anywhere else. Tell people how they should prepare and what they should bring when they arrive at WorldFest. Well, you are able to bring water, and a water bottle is a really good idea. <laughs> it's, it's, it's warm out there, so you want to bring your water bottle. You're able to bring a small cooler, a very small cooler with your ice and water. You can't bring any of your own alcohol, though, and you can't bring any glass. So it's good to have a metal water bottle, that kind of thing. Dress appropriately because it's usually warm. And get there early. Like, enjoy the workshops. Like, some people don't know. We start yoga at 8 a.m. There is um, drumming workshops, all kinds of music workshops. I know Joe Craven will be doing some workshops out there. There's workshops all day. So you should really come spend the day, have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and hang out and it's a great time to really kind of immerse yourself in festival culture and, and see everything that the festival has to offer besides all the amazing artists on the main stages. So if somebody wanted to get tickets now, how would they do it? They could go to the website, worldfest.net, and right there you can get your ticket. Right. And, you know, think about getting more than a one-day pass. Like, enjoy it a couple of days. There's still camping available, so people could still camp if they wanted to spend a night out there. That's always a great way to do it. If you're going to do late night, which is 11 p.m. to 1 a.m., I would camp if I were you because that's late and, and you're going to be having a good time. And wouldn't it be great to just go get into your tent after late night? Well, we've got World Fest coming up Thursday, July 14th through Sunday, July 17th at the Nevada County Fairgrounds in Grass Valley, put on by the Center for the Arts. What else do folks need to know, Amber Joe? I think they need to just come try it. Come check it out. I know people are excited about Old Crow Medicine Show, but, you know, I'm excited about Sam Kuti and the Sunday night headliner, uh, Messier Pernier from Columbia. Like, Get, get a pass for a few days, immerse yourself in this world music, listen to all these amazing beats from Africa and uh, Colombia, and really hear the differences in how we can celebrate culture. I think that's why we do this, right? We want to experience cultures from all over so that we can familiarize ourselves with like people that are from different places and we can start to kind of listen better I think what we've needed the past two years in our community is like some good listening skills. We definitely have had some challenges with that in COVID. And I think when you experience other cultures and music and art, that's really what kind of hones in those listening skills. And so I hope people will come out, listen to the great music, have a great time, take some workshops and kind of try to let the last two years go behind us. We've been talking with Amber Joe Manuel from the Center for the Arts, putting on World Fest this Thursday through Sunday, the 14th through the 17th. Thanks a lot, Amber Joe. Thank you, Felton. Amber Joe Manuel says that there are still plenty of volunteer opportunities available for those inclined. If you're interested, you can find out more at worldfest.net. This has been the KVMR Evening News for Friday, July 8th, 2022. Head on over to kvmr.org to hear it again, or simply subscribe to the KVMR News Podcast to have it delivered to you directly. 
KVMR is supported by our generous listeners and by underwriters like MEC Builds, Nevada County roofing contractor with over 20 years of experience, providing complete roofing services, gutter products, sun tunnels, and skylights. MEC Showroom is at 316 Colfax Avenue in Grass Valley. MECBuilds.com Don't go away. Coming up at 6.30, Holly and Cy are back with another curtain call, highlighting the best in arts and music from Reno to Davis. Tonight, they're talking about a vengeful barber, a pair of classical festivals, the return of Worldfest, and the world's oldest bar band. I'm Claudio Mendonça. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you right here on Monday at 6 p.m. for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.